Hello, it's Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is your weekly Fulham audio port of call. With me in the studio tonight is Mr. Dominic Betts. Hello. Mr. Farrell Monk. Hi. And Mr. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. So, uh, lots to get through in today's podcast. Fulham headed down the autobahn from Austria to Darmstadt this week, but it's still fairly slow in the Fulham world. Lots of announced Roland and announced Callas, but yet still no major transfer activity. But as I said, plenty to get through in tonight's show. We're going to be discussing the latest two Fulham friendlies as we visited Ostrich and Deutschland. Uh, we've got uh, Fulham rumours to talk about. Lots of rumours coming out today. In fact, uh, Tyreden's new contract, a preview of our friendly against Wolfsburg, on Saturday plus we launched the price of Fulham survey today the investigation uh, and we'll be chatting lots about ticket and train prices uh, for watching Fulham away from home this season plus we've got a stack full of your questions Jack's got the post bag he could barely lift it into the studio it was so, so heavy, heavy. Just so much to get through. Get so uh, lots to get through in, in the next hour or so. We'll crack straight on with it. And we have our man on the scene uh, who is in Darmstadt on Saturday. Uh, how many uh, people, Dom, made the trip to Darmstadt well, on Saturday? Well, English-wise, Fulham fans, there was about, I'd say, maybe 10 of us. But then there was quite a few uh, German Fulham fans who made the trip from wherever they live in Germany. Okay. So I'd say maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 Fulham fans in total. That's pretty impressive for a pre-season friendly. And it was uh, only, obviously, it was only, what, two weeks notice? Yeah. So, so people found different ways of going, because obviously some people were in Graz, who then made the journey over to Frankfurt or Darmstadt, where they, wherever they were staying. And obviously a lot of people couldn't fly back, so some people even got the train back to St Pancras all the way from um, Frankfurt. So you do Frankfurt to Cologne to maybe Brussels, then back to St Pancras. But yeah, I mean, yeah, 10, 9 English fans there. And was it a good trip? Yeah, it was good. Like it was just a nice have a weekend in Germany. It wasn't like a really long trip like Poznan was. Okay, and and the match. Uh, let's get on to that. It was a entertaining two-all draw. Uh, some fairly comical moments. Also, some um, moments of real quality in the match. What was your overall? Uh, I think it was, uh, on the balance of play, it was probably a fair result. I mean, we did miss quite a few chances, but I didn't think we dominated the game in. To any stretch of imagination, I think a draw was a fair result. And I mean, Darmstadt aren't a bad side. They've been in the Bundesliga for the last two years, so mm. they're going to be a, they're going to be a strong side after playing, obviously, in the top tier for the last couple of years. But yeah, we played a lot better than we did in both the Poland friendlies that I saw. And in, obviously, we'll talk about West Ham game later. But yeah, it looks like we are improving over the course of this preseason. Obviously, not as good as we were last season where we didn't actually lose a game I don't think now Jack you're a pretty ardent Fulham fan I think you uh, yeah. I think that's fair to say <laughs> you didn't quite make it to Darmstadt on Saturday know. but you have seen the highlights uh, we'll start off with the positives first Ryan Frederick's goal his first goal for the club believe it or not two seasons at the club and no goals yet for Ryan Frederick's despite his many forays into uh, the opposition you know danger zone exactly but what a finish and I'm hopefully we might see a couple of those this season assuming he doesn't get sold yeah, no, really good. Really good at in terms of what we've come to expect from Fredericks' sort of final delivery or final, you know, ball. Um, it was a, a vast improvement. So it's nice to see he's been working on that kind of side of his game. I really enjoyed that the club gave him like a special video and stuff. And like, oh, <laughs> Fredericks' first goal as if, you know, we just wanted some sort of title. But um, it was it was nice. Nice to see him get on the score sheet and a, and a good check back and onto his, onto his left foot. And nice to see him, you know, not have to you know, cut back outside and, and, and resume some sort of sense of both-footedness. So that was nice. Um, a good goal. A good goal all around. Uh, Farrell, um, the opening goal uh, for Fulham, uh, a Darmstadt own goal, I mean, 
you'll see that on Vinnie Jones blooper reels for years to come. It's comical. Yeah, um, as a fellow regular own goal scorer, I was very, uh, no. very impressed. Very impressed with you it. You actually, me and Farrell play uh, football, uh, five-a-side football on a Wednesday, and you uh, scored an own goal on uh, last Wednesday, didn't you? Yes, I did. I palmed it into my own net. I was playing, <laughs> I was playing in goal at the time, though. I didn't decide to punch it in as I was playing defence. This um, own goal far more impressive though uh, than yours. Oh yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean it was incredible. Uh, it it. It's just it kind of boggles the mind, and I think it was an entertaining draw just because of that. If it was just that, uh, just that own goal, he seemed to try and well, he tried just to pass it back to the goalkeeper and just yeah. got it. He complete. had time to look up. It wasn't like an instinctive kind of. I'm just going to turn around and play it back to the keeper. He had loads of time to actually turn around, see where the keeper is, and play it back to him. And yet he still completely misses him and finds the net. Um, at the other end of the pitch, though, Fulham were also guilty of conceding uh, a very sloppy goal. In fact, both goals are quite sloppy. One is a well-worked corner, and he's, it was the same defender that conceded the own goal for Darmstadt who scored... The first goal. The first goal, wasn't it? A nice it diving was, header. Yeah, it's a brilliant header from him as well, so he's clearly good at both ends. But I, know, <laughs> I, I, I think the own goal happened also because of the weather conditions of, of the day. Uh, the pitch would have been absolutely soaking wet because it had been absolutely bucking it down about it. an hour an hour and a half before the game and it sort of stopped maybe half hour into the game but it, that, it, I don't think if it was a fully dry pitch that would have just treat, gone all the way into the goal I think the goalie might have been I get it but it was still a hilarious thing to see <laughs> you are very was, kind Dom <laughs> but like because we, we're like we were, we were the other side of the pitch behind the goal and I was like that's generally just going to roll into the back of the net because <laughs> you could you, you're like surely not he surely hadn't somehow scored an own goal from 35 yards out and he hasn't like hit the ball that hard it just sort of kept going and rolled into the back of the net but yeah interesting game very interesting game and what was your overall reflections of of how uh, the team played were there any players that you thought were particularly standout or and vice versa maybe any regulars in the side that you thought had a very little impact looking a bit sluggish maybe um, well it was a as I said it's a much more improved performance than we saw in Poland but I think the standout player for me was probably Aluko and probably Fredericks although Cessna were quite good down the left-hand side, but I thought that Woodrow and Piazon didn't really offer anything in the game. Okay. I, it's like I couldn't think of anything either player did. I guess I don't really like judging players on pre-season because it's not... No. It's more about getting fitness levels up so you're match fit for the season. Like, you sh- you, can, you can judge players if they play poor and stuff, but you can't really make a real judgment until maybe probably like the mid-September, maybe even October mark, really. I guess it's most interesting at this point to find out um, who looked fit, who looked sharp, who looked ready to go before the season and who might be able to enter that first game against Norwich. Yeah, because I think you could tell that Kearney shouldn't have been playing in that game. Really? He he came off injured halfway through the first half and I think think it's something to do with his knee, so I don't know if he's actually going to be fit for the start of the season or not. Okay, interesting. I guess in that sense, very good that we have... Piazon, who seems fit and ready, and he can fit into that number ten role. I think we're kind of used to that now, having one of our star players not being fit and ready for the season in pre-season. And mm. gone and years gone by, it would be Ross McCormack coming back from pre-season looking like an absolute elephant in the first pre-season games, and then it would take him a good couple of months to actually get going. Um, hopefully, that's not the same with Tom Kearney. And in a few weeks' time at the big kickoff, he's um, willing and ready to go. Having a few too many. Uh... Gyros when he was in Santorini. Wow, that was. Uh... Are they called Gyros? I thought it was Gyros. I don't know. Gyros. Zoltan Gyros. We do definitely have a Greek listener to the show. We get uh, Kostas. Kostas. Yeah. If Kostas could confirm, 
That'd be great, Costas. Jack, moving on to the other friendly uh, that took place in the last week, was against West Ham, so a pretty formidable uh, opponent. We came out on the wrong side of a 2-1 defeat, although could you call it a one-all draw if maybe David Button had learnt to control the ball? I mean, I, I don't even know if I want to talk about it. It's just absolute terror. Again, there's question marks over whether it's potentially a foul. It doesn't matter. He yeah, it doesn't be, matter. He shouldn't be in that position in the first place. <laughs> just um, clear the ball. Yeah, just get rid of it. Um, you know, there's positives to take out of that game as well. Um, the first goal, the Lanzini goal, is really well worked. And, and you know, Lanzini's a, a very, very good player. And you A know, very we, good tip for pre- fantasy football. He, did, he got me a lot of points yeah, last season. Yeah, he sits in the middle of my midfield as well. He he does small bits. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was good. And, you know, the goal we scored that, you know, was actually officially given to Corley was a really <laughs> lovely interplay between Cessnion and Luco. Um, that was nice to see. Mm. And everyone just looks like they're coming back towards the boil. And I think that's kind of what this is about. And I suppose that's what anyone will tell you preseason is for. And yeah, we're not, you know, we're not perfect yet by any stretch of the imagination. And we're all looking for, you know, people to come in and signings and all that kind of thing. But it looks like the squad that we have is starting to move towards a kind of match fitness, which is mm. ideal. I mean, the main thing I took from the game was how much better we looked when K Mac came on in the second half. We looked like a totally different side just because there was someone there in front of the defence to sort of stop West stop West Ham's attacking threats. Because, I mean, Manuel Lanzini running at Jarlo and Sigurdsson in the first half was not a pretty sight to watch. No, no one wanted to, no one wanted to watch that. It was before the watershed and, and all sorts of things. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those. You know, it's all for, it's all for show at this point, isn't it? And quite an inexperienced midfield and defence. You could argue that Fredericks is the only one in maybe the back six, excluding the goalkeeper, that started regularly for us last season from that starting lineup. Ty Eddon uh, started in defensive midfield and he signed uh, a brand new contract which prompted Jack to do possibly one of the most controversial Fulhamish tweets uh, of recent, recent times. times yeah. Do you want to explain? <laughs> you regularly outdo yourself, Jack. Yeah, no, they are normally from me. Um, the only other one was the original Scorley Woodrow tweet which you still haven't. We haven't decided who wrote that in the end. Did we? We, ne- <laughs> we never worked out who the culprit was. No one will know um, who invented Scorley Woodrow. But, um, yeah, I quoted from a Jay Huss song um, called Did You See, which is, has gone down straight, somewhat strangely with the Fulham fan base. So, you know, go and check out our Twitter, see what you think, let me know. It's a good I album. Was, I was utterly perplexed as to what you were referring to. Common Sense is the album of the year thus far. It's just gone silver today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice knowledge, Sam. Do you work in radio? <laughs> I do work in radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to Tyro Edon, which was, my, which was the seg I was trying to attempt before Jay Huss uh, Got in the in, way. rudely took over. Yeah. Uh, he signed a new contract. Uh, we had a, quite a long discussion about him on last week's podcast. But another promising sign. He's another promising youngster who I reckon we will see in little bits this season. So, another good move by the club. He's quite a versatile player, which is... A sort of a good thing. Obviously, he can play uh, on the left hand side uh, at left back, but he can also, now he's been moved into this holding midfield role in the pre season by Slav. So, yeah, he's a good player to have along. I mean, he's been at the club for a while, so he knows what the, the, the club's about. He's been at the club for maybe more eight years, I think he said in his interview. Mm. So, he knows, he knows, obviously, he knows the club. And, um, yeah, I thought it was, it was quite obvious because it was like him, Cess, Dennis Adeniran, who were like the main youngsters who were sort of bred into the side earlier on last season in pre-season and obviously they played in the uh, Capital One Cup games so he's definitely rated to some extent by Slavisa. And unfortunately though that is kind of the only real news we've got out of the club in the last week. I think if you'd have asked us all this time last week 
would we be dis- disappointed with zero transfers in uh, within seven days? We'd all probably have said yes. It's less than two weeks to the start of the season. Farrell, are you starting to get a bit concerned now? If maybe before you were like, oh, it'll be fine. And now you might be thinking, well, we really do need to pull our finger out a little bit. Um, not necessarily. I think there's still five weeks to go until the transfer window f- firmly slams shut. Um for the summer. Right <laughs> you're gonna do... live live coverage of the transfer window slamming shut from Sammy yeah, can James. you reopen it please because we need to do some transfers <laughs> never do that again nice. uh, <laughs> what was that I was trying to be like a door like <laughs> uh, moving on swiftly let's not talk about windows ever again um, I don't have my sound effects with me today that's the problem okay no I don't, I'm, I'm personally not concerned um, I think people are generally quite excited about transfers they do generate a lot of news obviously we talk about transfer rumours and transfers going um, goings on all the time. Um, but I'm personally not concerned. I think ultimately it's results on the pitch that, that matter. And um, I've got every confidence that we will get the correct players in because we're obviously quite an attractive club and we will attract the right players. We've always had quite a good transfer record, I, I feel, over the past few years. Do you just feel, though, let's say we did make a signing... Let's make, for sake argument's sake, middle of next week, so three or four days before the Norwich game, they're not going to be. If even if they did manage to play in that first Norwich game, they're, they're not going to be firing all mm. cylinders, and we haven't really got games to lose if we do want to put mm. a serious promotion charge together. We're not just trying to avoid relegation yeah. here. I, I I do agree that. I mean, I, I'm personally an advocate of getting the business done early, so you have like a full preseason with your new teammates in. But, you know, I, I still I still also think that we've got to wait until the right transfers come along. I mean, think about it. We didn't have Stefan Johansson until just before the transfer window slammed shut, and he was an absolute success. And Piers on a mine was signed on the last day, weren't they? Exactly. So I'm not too worried. Um, maybe ask me again on the 1st of September. Okay. It looks like we've just signed Oliver Norwood. Uh, what, as we speak? Yeah, it looks like, a, well, we're getting reports off Hammy and... and and get West London. A deal has been agreed. Okay, interesting. Well, let's the newspapers are running this now. Yeah, exactly. Frantically typing in on our laptops. Yeah. Jack Collins is currently logging into Bleach Report HQ. Maybe I'll have a word. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, it looks like we've. It looks like he's agreed to join us on loan. Okay, well, breaking news, Jack Collins. We'll cross over to you. What do you reckon about Oliver Norwood? Um. Yeah. I. I mean. <laughs> If I was to have suggested a position we didn't need any reinforcements in, I would have probably said centre midfield. But I think Norwood's a good player, and he's you know in a full international for Northern Ireland, and he's you know he's done a fair amount of good work. He was good at the Euros last year. He was good for Reading before not Reading, sorry Brighton before you know before this season when he was pushed out a little bit by Sidwell. But he he's always been you know a good or there thereabouts player, and I think that he's a good Championship addition with the experience of this league and you know and and the temperament to to be a good player in this league. He's a good passer of the ball. He knocks it about well, and I'm sure he'll provide adequate cover. You know, should we need it in the centre of the park? So I don't think it's a bad signing by any stretch of the imagination. I just wouldn't have prioritised that position if that was where we were going to go. Solid. If yet unspectacular. Yeah. Well, no, but he has, you know, capable of the spectacular. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oliver Norwood. Um, some some good goals over the past couple of years in the championship, and you know, uh, I think that's a good signing. Yeah, considering we sold obviously last last week. Yeah. It was a maybe not we didn't need to strengthen him, but it was some players who need backup. I think who we needed to bring in, and you always want to keep the likes of Steph Johansson and on their toes. K-Mac on their toes. Yeah. yeah. 
No, I, I don't have an issue with it. Nor is a better player than Lass was. Yeah, and obviously yeah. He, play, he played like over 30 games for a team who basically nearly won the league last year. So he's, he's not a bad player and it's it's never a bad thing to have obviously a good cover for mm. positions you already have good players in to keep them, as you've said, on their toes. Certainly the type of player that we perhaps should be going for. Brighton got promoted up to Premier League. They probably will be using who is someone that, that got promoted out of this league and is good enough to get promoted out of this league it's, but couldn't get in Brighton's team now in the Premier League. It's kind of the type of player that we probably should be going for. They brought in Fabian Gross from Ingolstadt, um, who's a good player. And obviously the centre midfield options last year, they, they rotated in there anyway. So, it, you know, it's nice. And, and I think that I think Norwood's not, if not necessarily... Premier League quality, definitely top half championship quality. And I think that we can't complain about that kind of addition. No, I mean, he signed uh, apparently, according to uh, newspaper reports, on a season long loan. So again, Fulham. We seem, love a loan. We do seem to love a loan at the moment. But uh, as I think I explained on another podcast, a loan works in two ways because either. If they're no good, then you have no commitment. And but if we do get promoted with a low knee, and they're not good enough for the Premier League, then you're not going to the Premier League with a squad full of Championship players. You mm. can mercilessly bin the ones that aren't Premier League quality when you go up and yeah. Piazza. Yeah, but also look, look at look at um, Huddersfield. Huddersfield had a team full of low knees last year. You know, Ward, Casey Palmer, Moy. Aaron Moy, all loans, all loans. And they've gone up there and they've gone, right, those players are good enough. Yeah, Casey Palmer's gone back on another loan. Moy's gone permanent. Ward's gone permanent. It's a, you know, these are, they've gone and gained from their loan deals. And, you know, when those players are then offered up at the end of these contracts, because they've obviously, you know, done enough, and they're wanted at those clubs. So it works as a system. It's yeah. an indispensable one for clubs such as ours in the, in the championship. It's certainly, um, it's the balance of risks as well. You know, you've got the risk of actually taking that per player permanently on and having their wage on your books for maybe two or three years. And if they're quite a successful player already, um, like, for example, Aaron Moy, um, if Huddersfield didn't go up, they would be lumbered with that wage for quite a while. And, if, you know, if they're suddenly having to start shedding players because of the financial risk involved, they don't they don't need to anymore if they don't go up. But then again, if they've got the option to buy, if they do go up, they suddenly got the money to actually take them on. So on to other transfer rumours. Seems like Oliver Norwood is fairly confirmed. The other main rumour that's been doing the rounds today um, is, of course, in the striking department, which I think we can all agree on, apart from maybe central defence is the top priority in most fans' eyes this season. Cameron Jerome uh, from Norwich. Now he's got a very good scoring record in the Championship, nearly... One in two. Why then are lots of fans seemingly fairly underwhelmed with the potential I don't know signing? Because our only struggle at the moment is Corley Woodrow, and he's definitely better than Corley Woodrow. Like I, I, at the moment, I take big Steve. I, 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 I take Cameron Jerome in a heartbeat at the moment because we haven't really got any options up there at the moment. And Diego Rowland, I, I didn't never really thought wanted to come anyway. So I, I don't have an issue with his signing Cameron Jerome. He's he can hold up the ball. He's got a bit of pace about him, and in a championship, he's a good goal scorer yeah he's absolutely solid in the championship Premier League is a much much different matter I think in the Premier League he scored like two or three goals in each season and then in the championships he's he's I'm pretty sure he's almost reached 20 but he's he is not, a bit of a donkey though yeah but it's not signing someone like Diego Roland who you don't know how he'll acclimatise to the, to championship football mm. you know Karen Jerome is going to guarantee you goals in the league so I don't, I don't really have an issue with us if we went and and only two seasons ago he scored 15 goals or there or thereabouts for Norwich scored 
the first goal in the playoff final against Middlesbrough. Really mm. nice goal as well. Yeah, it was Just, a good uh, goal. Tight angle, wasn't it? So surely think... he's the kind of player that actually Fulham will be looking for with championship experience. A bit of a another Chris Martin in effect. Maybe not quite as physical as Chris, but similar kind of calibre. Yeah, maybe that's the type of player Jukanovic wants to go for. I think probably what the fans are looking at is that they're looking at the likes of Middlesbrough who are splashing the cash getting Britta Sombolonga uh, in and they're probably a bit underwhelmed by Cameron Jerome who is a bit becoming a bit of a journeyman. He has been in and around the championship quite a lot. But that's a, also, that's a ridiculous signing. 15 million for Britta Sombolonga yeah. who spent nine months of last season injured. Yeah, just just it's absolute... signed Braithwaite for a fair bit of money as well. Braithwaite is a good. That's a good signing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's because it's like eight mil, wasn't it? Yeah, very, yeah. That's a very. And he's been doing sign. pretty well in the French league for the last few years. So. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm I'm much more on board with that one. Yeah, fifteen million. I know. You know that was good, what it was going to take to lure Sombolonga away, but like, it does seem like a on his, massive. On his day, Sombolonga was one of the best strikers in the league. hundred percent. Yeah, but like, he's, he's just... injured half the, half of every season at least. Anyway, have they lost? What do you call him? Negredo. Yeah, he was only yeah, on a season long loan. Oh, and yeah, I, I believe, is Stuani gone as well? Stuani's left, yeah. And Fisher, Victor and Fisher. Fisher. Yeah. I think the, the biggest uh, surprise is uh, James Vaughan going back to, to Sunderland, who was obviously, he's, the, he's been around the block, the former, well, I think he still is the youngest goal scorer in the Premier League, his, yes. Premier League history. Because he's, he's younger than Rooney. Yeah, there's actually deck. Milner in between Vaughan and Rooney as well. Milner about, sco- yeah, Milner scored a cross. cross uh, the, like, it was a terrible cross that bumped, like, sort of, like uh, it what? bounced into the net, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but yeah, James Vaughan who scored something like twenty four goals for Berry in League One last season. Yeah, he did score a lot of goals. Yeah, suddenly he's now back into the Championship with a you would assume is a team trying to go straight back up. I don't think any even Sunderland fans are convinced that they're going to be going straight back up. To be honest, but yeah. you know we'll see what happens. They've also bought Aidan McGeady, one of my all time heroes. <laughs> I bet your all time heroes list is like the longest book ever. No, it's not. It's not really. Sean Kavanagh at the top. Sean King Cav is 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 up there. Yeah, just King whoever Cav. whoever was born in the Emerald Isle, basically. No, there's some players I don't really like. Like I was never a massive fan of like Niall Quinn, even though he was great. Like even though he was a good player, like he just didn't really. He wasn't one of my all time heroes in the way that Aidan McGeady is. Is Damien Duff up there? I assume. Of course, of course. Um, another position that I didn't think really needed strengthening, but looks imminent to arrive, uh, is on the wing, and Ojo from. Liverpool looks fairly imminent to happen as well in the next few days. He's got pace. I think he seems like a good addition, but just doesn't seem too necessary considering the amount of options we have. I don't have an issue with signing him, but I'd rather sort of strengthened in the areas we needed to do first. Like I don't have a problem with us having Shady Ojo because obviously he's, he's, he'll be he'll fit into the system pretty well. But I thought we should surely be trying to aim for a centre-half or a striker first. It, it's, it appears to be the sort of Mark Hughes syndrome when he was at QPR where clearly they you know well, they went out and got people like Loic Remy in and uh, ju- uh, Junior Hoyler and they were splashing the cash. They got um, Park Ji-sung, all those, all those top quality players and yet they still had Anton Ferdinand and, and Clint Hill at the back behind them. I mean, Villa have got a cinema partnership with John Terry and Chris Samba, so Aluko, Cabano, possibly Chegeja running about them in like, October. That should be fun. Harry Redknapp's wet dream. Yeah. He's another one. Chris Samba and Adam and John Terry. He's another one that uh, plays a lot as an inverted winger because he's left-footed. Okay. Um, which is interesting. Which we love. We were talking last week about Piazon 
being an option because he can come in, he can drift in off the left wing as a right footer and, uh, you know, and do those kind of bits. And I think it's important to have that kind of second option when so many of our attacks go down the flanks that to to be able to change that up and then come at the full back on their, you know, on a different foot is obviously uh, and a bonus. So we'll see what happens with Shea Yojo. I'm not, you know, again, convinced that it's what, exactly what we need, but it's, you know, no, it's no bad bit of business to bring him in and, and, and to see where he goes. The only worry I have was um, someone was posting around on Twitter about the fact that Cabano wasn't on tour and they were wondering if that was a bad sign. Well, I, I don't, he was like out on his Instagram, so he was still wearing his Fulham stuff. No, yeah, no, it was just a bit of a... Yeah, no, it was, was a bit he? weird that he wasn't on the tour. I don't know if he picked up a knock in training or anything. I mean, I think the funniest thing I came f- that came from the tour was Slav's interview, actually, after the Darmstadt game. He's basically just saying, sign some players. Basically, not even reading between the lines. He's basically, yeah, we have no players, so can Shade Khan please get his wallet out and buy a few players? Got it, Tony. Right, well, we're going to be discussing um, the price of Fulham uh, in a little bit. We've calculated the cost of every single Fulham away game this season, and we have a little bit of a debate about it as well. Uh, but first, uh, we want to get a little bit of a preview uh, for this weekend's match, the first game of the season back at the Cottage. It's a friendly against Wolfsburg. Uh, and on the line now, we have Bundesliga expert extraordinaire and Fulham fan as well, Archie Ryan Tut. How are you doing, mate? Very well, Sammy. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. So, we're facing Wolfsburg on Saturday. Now, the last time we faced Wolfsburg uh, were very heady days when we beat them uh, in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Uh, times are a bit tougher for both sides now, probably Fulham a little bit more so than Wolfsburg, but still not great down there either, is it? No, not exactly. And I mean, it, it says something perhaps about both sides' fortunes that They've had to endure another Felix Magat spell um, at, at Wolfsburg anyway. But Felix Magat is much more of a hero at Wolfsburg because he was the coach who actually took them to their first and only Bundesliga title. Um, but more recently, Wolfsburg have been affected by the Volkswagen diesel scandal, which has meant that there are huge cutbacks at the club. Their payroll has been cut back by 25%. And even with that, though, they've still managed to sign a centre-back, a guy called John Anthony Brooks, for €20 million Euros this summer. So they're still playing in very much another league to Fulham um, in, in that sense. But yes, they've been through quite a lot in the seven or so years since playing Fulham. They managed to win the German Cup uh, two years back and finished second to Bayern Munich. But they were very nearly relegated last season, just 12 months after being in the Champions League quarterfinals. So very much up and down for them, but they're still not regarded in Germany as a particularly big club. So do you think that they'll have a there'll be a really stern test for Fulham this weekend? Yes, I do think that given the quality of, of players that they have, uh, the likes of Mario Gomez, for example, is, 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 a, is a quality of striker that Fulham can't, can't quite reckon with. Um, although I, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that Mario Gomez, I think, once upon a time nearly moved to Fulham, or indeed Roy Hodgson was very keen on signing him at one point. Um, how, how much brighter things might have looked in the past had that come to pass. But, uh, but no, there is a, a real kind of strength and depth in terms of quality of player, but it's just a case for Andres Jonker, a man who 
worked for Arsene Wenger at Arsenal not too long ago. It's just a case for him trying to get the best out of them and actually trying to knit them into an actual team. Hi, Archie. It's Jack here. Just a, just a quick one. We've um, heard conflicting reports on kind of what's happening with uh, an ex-Fulham man, Ashkan Dejaga. Will we be seeing a return of you know the Fulham's one-time best Iranian at the cottage this weekend? I'm not too sure. I don't. I don't think he will. It looks like they're not going to give Dejaga a new contract at Wolfsburg. So I think that he's not. He's not in their plans. It was a bit of a bizarre move for him to actually even get that deal back at Wolfsburg last season because it's not particularly uh, the, the, the squad is not really lacking in in that kind of area. So I think it was more of a nostalgic move. So it. I, I would say it's very doubtful that Ashkan Dejaga will turn up at Craven Cottage this weekend unless he buys a ticket to the game himself. Um, he could come yeah, and sit in the stands with us, and that one's for sure. Me and Sammy uh, would be happy to accommodate him if he's listening. <laughs> um, so, Archie, obviously Bundesliga extraordinaire, but also a, a Fulham fan. Uh, what did you make of Fulham's, Fulham's mini-revival <laughs> last season from two terrible years in the Championship? Uh, everything was a lot more rosy last season do you put it completely down to Slav I think I think there's there's quite a few factors which which played into it for sure um, I, I think that Slavisa Jokanovic is, is very much the uh, the driving force behind it in terms of the style of play I think there were many doubts before last season as to what was actually going to come to pass given what had given the football that was being played uh, towards towards the end of that first season when I think Slavisa was very much trying to uh, just implement his own style. But I'll never forget that Newcastle game and just in terms of the bright dawn that, that was promised from that. I couldn't quite believe it, just watching how uh, Fulham could actually play football again after some of the dross that had been played in the two seasons previous. Um, so I, I've, I've got to say that I think it's very encouraging uh, the direction the club is heading in. You look at uh, perhaps some of the influences. Um, I, I think that that uh, the whole thing with uh, with Craig Klein and, and indeed the the, the Khan family. I'm not a hundred percent. I would say still kind of yeah. I, I think that everything's great at the club, um, but I would I would say at the same time that I think the club's moving in a much better direction than it had been in the, in the previous two years. But I wonder just how much things depend on. Uh, on Slavisa Jakanovic staying there and indeed the likes of Tom Kearney as well. That's certainly something we've been talking about extensively over the past few weeks. To your own knowledge, is there any sort of... Because we haven't actually seen that many players being linked to championship clubs from Germany. Uh, we've seen a lot uh -huh. of the players in France. There seems to be every single player in France from like a mid-table French team seems to want to come to the championship for some reason. Are there any players from Germany yeah. that you might be able, that you could probably think of that might be making moves hopefully to Fulham or, or wider in the championship? None come to mind right now, but you look at the fact that you have Daniel Farker at, at Norwich City, for example, you have David Wagner at Huddersfield. There, there is a really good quality of player over here for people to be able to actually take advantage of, as I think that, that they've shown. I, I mean, the, I think they're very technically well-trained, um, and and that actually has 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 come to pass kind of quite nicely for them in England so far, and and also just the fact it's still I would say almost a bit of an untapped market because they can get players on the cheap um, in comparison to having to shell out for an English player. They know that they can come over here and players 
will want to go to England as well. A lot of the time, the money will play a factor. There is that thought, I would say, in Germany that if a player is moving across from Germany to the Premier League or even to the Championship, then a lot of the time it is most likely going to be driven by money. Um, but yeah, you've got, I would say, a good strength in depth even going down to, I would say, the third division. There are still very much bargains to be had. Um, but it's just about having the appropriate scouting network to be able to take advantage of that, really. And what stage of pre-season are Wolfsburg at the moment? How, how long is it until the Bundesliga kicks off? I imagine they're a little bit behind us. Yeah, exactly. So they've got they've got two weekends until the first round of the DFB Pokal, which is the German Cup. So another another three weeks to go in, until the start of the Bundesliga. So they'll still be a little bit further behind Fulham in in that sense. But I would still I would still expect them to turn up with a very strong side um, this weekend. And uh, I, w- I I'm interested to see how how Fulham will actually combat it in terms of in terms of the style of play, uh, because I, I think at, at times last season, Fulham were very much unplayable, um, even if uh, even if d- despite the amount of goals that were scored, there were still times when you were thinking, do they score enough for the amount of chances that they create? Um, so I'm interested to see how, how much further along Fulham are in terms of in, in, in their preparations. But I think Wolfsburg will still be perhaps off the pace a little bit in that way, and I would expect it to be quite a tight game. And just before you go, Archie, if I could grant you, uh, as a Fulham fan, Fulham fan hat back on now, if I could grant you one wish <laughs> in the transfer market that Fulham could go out and sign, not Lionel Messi, but, you know, maybe a, a you'd want a striker or a, a centre-back. What do you think Fulham need the most, basically, in the transfer market was my elongated way of asking that question. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good question. I don't know whether I don't know whether all our problems can be solved with one player, but I do I do really think I mean obviously players that score goals obviously are that much more beloved to um, to, to fans of, of of every club. But honestly, I think that we do need that player going forward to be able to to link up the play um, that that is, is, is going on behind us in terms of, I, I would say somebody who is perhaps a little bit more agile than, than Chris Martin and can maybe take a better penalty than Chris Martin as well. Uh, wouldn't go amiss. Um, but I, I, I hope it's not Diego Roland for the way that he seems to have acted. I don't think that that's necessarily the sort of player um, that is going to benefit the squad maybe on the, uh, on the mental side, I would, I, I would suggest. But I, I would say, some striker who who might bang in ten plus goals in, in the next season, whilst also being able to get the best out of the uh, fantastically quick players we've got in in the likes of Aluko and Ayite. Somebody along those lines would be good. But I, I would say that the, the the clock is very much ticking in that regard, given uh, how how long this left. But I, I think I think such as the way the transfer market's gone so far this summer, there's still plenty of movement to take place. It's just such it such as the way it works, it can be a bit of a domino effect in terms of some deals need to happen before everything else can take place. So, still time, but it, it would have been, I, I guess, a little bit more ideal had had Slavisa had the chance to work with more of the first team squad before the season began. But that's just the way these things go. Thank you for Perfect. coming on today. Really appreciate it. No worries at all. Cheers, guys. Well, welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Thank you to Archie for his time once again, uh, giving us a little bit of a preview into this Saturday's friendly. It's going to be so nice 
to get back to Craven Cottage. Just like miss the match day atmosphere. And I know it's only a friendly, so you don't have that tension maybe of of a league match day. But just walking through Bishop's Park again, through the turnstiles, seeing some live football, it'll be nice. Could have been away. I could have just spent the whole week in Germany. I can't wait to get into the, the Golden Lion beer garden. I bet they've missed us. Sink some pints. Yeah. I need to make sure if the rocket is still getting refurbished or not. Oh, the William Morris has missed me. Oh my Because the, the, I know the Fox and Owls has been um, refurbed over the summer. That's now got an AstroTurf beer garden. <laughs> and all the little individual booths have like their individual TV screens now. Are they paying, for the, are they paying for this advert? Yeah, they are. Me. Okay, mate. <laughs> One of their regulars. Um, and, then, and then the rocket was undertaken refurbishment. I think we've just ended up talking about the pubs more than the actual game itself. What else is new? This yeah, is I know it is pod. me. It is me as well. So Should we take bets on how many, pun intended, on how many <laughs> goals Dom misses this season? Interestingly, let's find out the amount of money it's cost you to miss all those goals this season. As this morning, we launched an article on the Fulhamish website. I played a little bit of a part in it. We had a lot of help uh, from Harry Fremantle, which I'm sure, uh, who I'm sure lots of you will know. We put it together and we worked out the cost for every Fulham away game this season not just the tickets but also the travel to the game and any hotels you might have to take out Uh, we worked out by train by car we worked out all the combinations and permutations Uh, this was really in response to the fact that the price of a Leeds ticket uh, is £37 I don't know why everyone's surprised it's the same price every year well it's actually gone up slightly from last season yeah because I think it was 35 last season. Actually, I can, I can it's actually... not as scandalous as Sheffield Wednesday. No, but I think the point was Tuesday evening, beginning of the season, I know they have a price structure and it wasn't a huge surprise, but still, £37, £42 on the day for Championship Yeah, for football. like the under 24, under 22 ticket, it's the exact same price I paid last year. Okay. But it's still like, even for like a 16 to 22 year old, for a £25 ticket, it's still relatively expensive. And even 37 for an out ticket is just plain ridiculous. The crux of the article, you can read it all right now at fullamish.co.uk, is that we worked out if you went to every game this season, the tickets alone would cost you... Farrell, have you read the article? Or do you, would you willing to be, place a guess? Um, I haven't read the article. Um, every ticket. Every ticket away. So, it's 550 not too far away, £623 with an average ticket price of £27 uh, for every game. Uh, then you factor in train or car. Uh, it could cost you in total, including the tickets, uh, between £1,300 to go to every single Fulham game uh, or up all the way up to £2,200, which is quite unlikely because that £2,200 is the price of going on the, on the, yeah, on the booking train on, on the, the day, day. And, and I think a, and a single to Newcastle on the day is like 100 quid anyway yeah. I think anyone unless you are very wealthy and you don't have to worry about the money wouldn't be booking everything on the day but still you're looking about best part of 1500 pounds to go to every Fulham away game this season and Dom as someone that does go to pretty much every away game in a season do you think there are ways that the Football League could make the game more accessible to away fans. Obviously, it's massively expensive. So, I've, as when obviously being a, someone who's younger, it's it's obviously a bit cheaper. Yes. Because uh, you, you've got a sixteen twenty five rail card, and you get the the youth student t- t- ticketed uh, price tickets at games. So last season, but I that reflects out, that reflects in fairness your income and then and, and yeah, your yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. So I worked out last season how much I've spent 
overall following just for the away games. Didn't include preseason, just uh, a regular season, including like the cup games. On travel, it was it is including hotels as well. Was six hundred forty-one pounds seventy-five, with all my match tickets coming to five hundred fifteen pounds twenty-five, with a total being one thousand one hundred fifty-seven quid. So that's pretty much on average a month's wages, which I've spent entirely just on following Fulham. And that was obviously with uh, being a lot cheaper f- through being 1625 mm-hmm. rail card and young match tickets. But I don't really think there's much that you can do apart from obviously capping match tickets to maybe 20 quid, or, uh, tw- like 20 is plenty, like the FS- FSF's campaign is. I mean... Renationalise the railways. I mean, yeah. there's that. People say... Well, oh, I, I, people... I do agree. Because, well, not the renationalise the railways, but like <laughs> it's, more the, it's more the travel that costs more than the tickets oh, a lot of the time, like a hell of a lot more. But I think my point that I was trying to slowly get to and trying to introduce the 20s plenty is that we worked out that if every away championship game was £20 this season, you'd save 150 quid. Which may not sound like a ton when you're thinking of spending fifteen hundred pounds, but it's the difference. That's quite a lot of money. Yeah. To to a lot of people, and okay, you can't change the travel, you can't change the price of petrol, but you could potentially change the ticket prices. And to me, thirty-seven pounds for a match ticket for for a second-tier football mm. when the Premier League cap is thirty pounds. I yeah. think I think if you booked trains advanced tickets for Leeds when they first came on sale with the cheapest hotel with the thirty seven match ticket, it's still over eighty quid. Because I'm I think I've paid seventy two pounds in total for Leeds. Yeah, away. I was about to say that's what I've that's what I've got. So my... yeah, my hotel's I think maybe twenty five a night. I think trains I paid maybe twenty quid, and then my match ticket's twenty five. So I'm paying like seventy odd quid just for that game in total. And in Leeds is obviously as we said one of the most expensive ones anyway. But people have also Someone's called for like football chartered trains, but some football fans might find an issue with them because then there would probably be like no alcohol on it. I suppose I, I don't know how many people took. Do you remember a couple of seasons? It was one of the seasons where we almost got relegated, not the great escape season that Fulham put on those Fulham flyers, didn't they? To, to Middlesbrough, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they did charter a, a plane or a train to do that. I wonder what the uptake on that was. and how much that costs. It would be quite an interesting one to see if there was anyone at the club at the time we can get in touch with to find yeah. out more about that. I, mean, I think it's just interesting to think of ways in order that potentially people that might be slightly priced out of going mm. to lots of away games could potentially be priced back in. You know, a 20 quid ticket might not only save money for those like Dom that do go every single away mm. game, but also attract those that feel like going to away games yeah. is an expense too far. Yeah, because away games are obviously a lot, of, a hell of a lot of fun, otherwise we wouldn't bloody do it. Yeah. And I feel like if anyone hasn't been to an away game yet, you'd want to attract people to go to show how much fun it could be for someone, even, even when Fulham play terribly. It is a hell of a lot of, a lot of fun. It's a time yeah, we you, take, spend a day, you spend a day with your mates. And yeah, you have if you take a 14-15 and 15-16, we were, we were awful. We were generally awful, but it was still... Yeah, I mean, I was, only, I, was, I was over six months, only eighteen months, but it was still great fun. I mean, last year, yeah, it was great. We were winning away games for like the first time, pretty much in my lifetime, that we won more than about two or three away games in a season. But yeah, it's yes, as, as I said, it's, it, people love away games more because it's a great, just a great day out, and you it's a way to visit different cities and towns around the country. In, increase your cultural capacity, yes, and your knowledge of the weather spoons around the country. If you, yeah, I've only been to seventy, so. <laughs> <laughs> well. 
Jack, let's move on from the price of Fulham. You can read that article now, though, at fulhamish.co.uk, plus lots of other good articles that are up there at the moment. Uh, to the post bag, it is brimming. So what is in there this week, Jack? Um, there's a lot of questions about Cameron Jerome and about who we think would be good signings, but I think we've addressed quite a lot of that. So hopefully anyone who's thrown those questions uh, are already satisfied with the answers that have been given. I thought a good article, uh, a good question was from Alex, Alex Whiteford, who says... Judging from our preseason so far, are there any fringe slash younger players you'd like to see breaking into the first team? Also, thoughts on Jallo Dombets. Jallo's rubbish. There's no, there's nothing more I need to say. I just, I don't think he's what we needed at centre back. I don't, I'm really, I don't really understand the signing. Like, he's, obviously, he's playing in the Liga Adelante or whatever you want to call the second Spanish division, or it, or was it was it the French league called the Cottage Talk? So, you know, but he's just been awful. He doesn't have any ball control or ball retention he's always running after the attack I know it's only pre-season so you can't as I said you can't really judge but from what I've seen he just looks like it, we, it's something we don't need and when it comes to youngsters I don't think any new ones maybe need to come in but I think maybe Teo Eden and Dennis Adoniran and maybe Humphreys might get into the side a bit more this season obviously you've got Matt O'Reilly who's gone on tour this pre-season so he's clearly rated by the uh, coaching team so but apart from those, though, I don't really see anyone else breaking in. So some some lovely bits and bobs from Matt O'Reilly over the course of the preseason. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Interesting. Some really assist, lovely passes. The assist for yeah. Frederick's goal. Yeah. So I was speaking yeah. to I was, we spoke to his um, parents actually because they were we, they they've been following all around Europe for preseason this year and we spoke to them in the second game in Poznan and they were like, yeah, he's good mates of like Sessegnon brothers and stuff like that because obviously he's the year below. But, but yeah, so so he knows obviously the other youngsters in and around the squad. We might and we might see the other Sessignon brothers, Stephen Sessignon, into more integrated into the squad this year as well. If you haven't seen um, Stephen Sessignon's goal uh, against Bournemouth for the under 23s, um, he had an absolute storm. He scored, you know, a 25-yard screamer and set up both the other goals. So uh, well worth a watch on the highlights if you haven't seen them. And Stephen Sessignon looks like he could be pushing on and. And following in his brother's footsteps, so that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Assessing on either wing, perhaps. Yep, definitely worth checking out. Jack, next in the post bag, please. Uh, Robert Hopping says, "Can we read anything into a mixed bag of preseason results? And are we all just getting a bit too excited because of last year?" Obviously, last season's preseason was very encouraging. But at the time, we weren't sure whether to be encouraged because we'd had two dreadful seasons. So we were still in this lull, in this crisis of confidence really as fans from the season before so we we, we almost dared to dare get excited last season and then obviously we had such a great season and it, it resulted in such a good start so I, I can see the worries that fans might have we're having quite a poor pre-season that that might reflect in those opening games I think we have quite a tough opening five or six matches anyway and I was speaking to May earlier and I just said the aim, I think, in August is just to be in touch by the end of August. We've got a really tough opening games. You know, we've got to go to Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday, come uh, to Fulham. We've, Norwich are our opening game, who are going to be a tough side. They've made some, you know, decent acquisitions, and and Fark seems like a a, dis, a decent manager from a distance. So, yes, it hasn't gone swimmingly well this preseason. Uh, the the loss against Chelsea was just worrying for the amount of goals conceded. It was very sloppy in that West Ham game. That button mistake was also alarming. But I think that we're doing enough that we can get ourselves an average start this season. I think 
Would you agree if we're in 12th to 10th place by the end of August, you'd be relatively satisfied we're in touch and then we're, we're, we're still alive, we're not, we're still got our heads above the parapet, etc.? Yeah, I, I, I certainly think so. I think this, the, the championship is fairly mental, um, you know, when you think about it, um, that teams who are pushing for automatic promotion at Christmas suddenly by the end of the year and will be like 10th and 11th. So as long as we aren't rock bottom, I still have confidence that we could push on and try and go for promotion anyway. And you just got to look at the stand of the teams we actually we have actually played in pre-season. They're probably, it's probably the strongest pre-season um, in terms of quality of teams we're actually facing, apart from uh, Zlin and um, uh, the other one I can't be bothered yeah, to pronounce. Yes, or however you, however you say it. <laughs> yeah, but last you. season, Brighton lost 3-0 to us. Yeah. In pre-season. Yeah, exactly. And it was a quite a strong Brighton side as well. Yeah, so perhaps we shouldn't read too much into the friendlies then. I don't think we can really add any, almost anything into the friendlies. Bear in mind, even the start of last season, Newcastle lost 2-3 on the bounce, I think, at the start of the championship season. Leeds didn't get a point until we played them... Uh, you know, the, and it's was, the exact yeah. same match days we got on this season. But, funny enough, you know, yeah. and but there, there are there are serious you know moments where, and that point didn't even start a Leeds revival. They didn't. Then went on a couple more games where they didn't get anything. I was watching a Championship review today. At one point, Barnsley were in third in like November. Well, hold on, you, but Birmingham were like fourth. Weren't Birmingham, Birmingham was seventh, nearly. Uh, seventh yeah, and then they sacked, and they sacked, sacked, sacked. and they didn't. The, only, the next game they won was against us in February. Yeah, hundred percent. The championships are funny league, and you know, yes, starting badly would look would look bad, and it wouldn't be great, and you know, it would also, I think, it would rile the fan base more than anything. People would be like, we haven't signed players early enough, but you know, actually. It doesn't really get rolling until like November, and yes, we need to be in touching distance. We can't be, you know, twenty points off the pace. We can't do what we did in our first season, lose the first six or whatever. Yes, yeah, exactly. We can't obviously do that, but like we, you know, would be I bloody brilliant think... if we if we did and then get promotion though. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. Crystal I Palace take it, was though. it? Um, was it Crystal Palace? Yeah, yeah. Crystal that Palace, was. Yeah. Do you know that start of the re- revival was Kit Simons? He took over as caretaker manager and got their first. But, Four or five wins. Reading, I knew we should have kept him. Yeah. Reading did a similar thing as well when they went up. Uh, not, I think maybe like maybe five seasons ago now. But yeah. we said it before that it's more about just getting players up to match fitness in preseason. You don't look too much into results as long as the players are looking sharper, every sharper game. in every single game and obviously fit. I mean, K Max just comes back and seamlessly is just slowly building up his match fitness. He hasn't like looked knackered or anything. I mean, he hasn't played ninety minutes, but that's not. It's yeah. not really about that. It's just building up the amount of fitness, really. Yeah. A couple more, just while we're at it. Uh, BC Brown says, which Fulham players had peak years last season and will likely regress in form, and which players have the most upside potential? Uh, Ryan Sessegnon's definitely on the way out. Now he's reached 17. Yeah, peak. Any more? <laughs> do we have anyone in mind that you think had um, a brilliant season last year but actually might not be as quite, you know... I would, actually, I would actually dare us to say, I, and I hope not, and he probably is my my favourite um, Fulham player alongside Kearney, but Aluko might do uh, because I think he was so good last year. And considering the age he has at, he is at it, it could be on the on the way down. But I hope not because he is he is still so he's still so good. Yeah, I worry less about form necessarily. I worry there's a couple of players that were instrumental last season for us that I really could worry about getting an injury so might not have a very good season for us because they might not play a lot and and players that seem to be in my radar for that are, are Steph Steph Joe I don't know why but he was really getting a lot of niggles at the end of last season uh, and Tom Kearney 
you know, we've already know that he wasn't completely match fit against Darmstadt. Uh, he had a very busy summer. He played late during the summer with Scotland. So it is a little bit of a worry that players might not kick on because they might have injuries rather than necessarily they'll they'll struggle with form. The player I probably would have said that for was Scott Malone, yeah, had 100%. he still been here. I thought yeah. he had such a good season last season, I couldn't see him replicate it if he stayed. But, you know, Huddersfield's problem now, so... <laughs> talking <laughs> talking on. of that injury, and of TC and injuries, Chris Gilbertson says, is there any concern that the Norwood signing means that TC's injury might be more serious than at first thought? Mm. But he's not a like not. for like, is he really? No, they are different types of player and we've got other players that we can move around to that position that perhaps Norwood would slot back in. But I think that probably if something... I mean, transfers don't happen... On the know, day. Yeah, they, you know, they'll probably take weeks and weeks of negotiation. Perhaps closer to the transfer, the, the transfer window slamming shut, do not make the sound effect, um, that... You know, I don't. Th- that they'll probably be a matter of hours, but I think it's probably Norwood. One's been, well, yeah, you know, rumbling on for a couple of weeks. Few weeks anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it's just been in the pipeline. I think Norwood's more in relation to Lasavig and Christensen, which crazily, actually, we haven't really given too much thought to up until now. Uh, Sign for Brondby on Tuesday seems to be a signing that came out of the blue. To me, seems a bit just a shame of wasted potential more than anything else. I don't actually know how much of a job he would have done for us anymore, but it's just, I, I just see it such a shame as where he was during that 14, mm. 15 season. And we posted some of the goals on our Facebook page and our Twitter page and stuff. And just how that just never materialized into this blitzing midfielder that we all thought he would be by now. I, I watched uh, a Bronx tale, a great film uh, over the weekend. And I want to see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the on the one of the running themes throughout it, what they kept on saying was there's nothing worse than wasted talent. And I hope that's not for Las Vegan Christensen um, because he is an incredibly talented footballer. Unfortunately, because of the form of the team last season, he couldn't break back into the team. And I don't think he fit into the, the role. Uh, he didn't fit back into the team, I mean. He went back to Bromby, played in his first game, played on the right-hand side of a diamond and scored. Well, there you go. So, there you are. The diamond and Las Vegas and Christensen named me a more iconic duo. I'll wait. <laughs> Tom Betts, your thoughts? <laughs> um, I, I, wasn't, I liked Las, but I never thought he was as good as everyone made him out to be. I mean, he had some... In, he had yeah, some he, he was, but he only played well for about maybe two months out of his entire Fulham career. Hmm. So, I... I, I it's, it was a bit of wasted talent, which you'd thought once he got an injury and then he came back maybe a bit too early in that Sunland FA Cup game. But I wasn't that annoyed they left. I mean, I'd rather have cashed in now for him instead of letting him sort of waste going out on loan spells to teams like Burton. or. Did you find it interesting bench. that he signed for Bromby and not uh, another team in the Championship? Or not, n- not really, because Bromby aren't exactly a small side. No, I'm not. I'm and without you know, belittling. And, and he probably was, he want, maybe wanted to go back home to... Denmark anyway and obviously he's the, was, he was the under 23s captain I think he's probably past the age bracket now so he's clearly rated back in his home country so I, d- I didn't really have an issue with the transfer I thought it was sort of a good thing for both parties really well we have one more question one last one it's from Zach Berger it was an email question Mr. We, do like an, we do like an email question gets past uh, the 140 character limit indeed he says Bookies and betters have bet- placed us with good, if not the best, odds for promotion. What do you think the impact will be for us now that our team is revered? Big up the fans down in Cornwall. Oh, big up the Cornwall massive. Yeah, We do have the quite Kurnow, a few Southwark. The Kernow Fulham fans. <laughs> 
we do have quite a few Southwest listeners, so hello to everyone in the Southwest. Thoughts on the bookies thing? Not on the South. I, well, really I mean, matters. the bookies always get it right. I mean, look at Brexit and Donald Trump. I think the point is more <laughs> that I think the point is more that do you think that teams are now going to set up in a more defensive manner against us, and is it going to is it going to limit us this season? Well, that's what they kind of. It seems to be that teams have been doing that against us the past three years. And it was only really last season did we start to overcome that by perhaps scoring in the first 30 minutes of a football match. Which, which took us long enough to do. Yeah, exactly. But, if you're, if you're but once good, that happened, if you're good enough to, to go up, it shouldn't, you should, shouldn't be an issue with how the other team's playing. If you're a good enough team to get promoted, you're going to play well enough to win the games. To My- quote an iconic piece of Sky Sports commentary from last season when Brighton scored a last minute winner, it just said, Winners find answers. That was it. They had 10 men and Glenn Murray scored an 89th minute goal. I think the only thing with it is my impression is that the team may have struggled to adapt adapt mentally to being favourites for promotion. And I'm, I'm a bit worried if, as I said, things don't go fully to plan in that first month, that the team might start falling out with each other and getting annoyed with each other very quickly if things don't go perfectly our way in the first half a dozen matches, you know, are we going to see Tom Kearney storming back down the tunnel? Are we going to start seeing players having a go at each other because they're so determined to finish top two to top six that if things don't start going our way because we've got this favourites tag and what we achieved last season, if they can't quite replicate that form early on, that we might start to beat ourselves up a little bit and, and the problem gets worse and worse. Hopefully not. And um, if history dictates, considering if we just look at last season now, because largely the team is much the same, including the manager, um, that we were favourites to to get promotion when we were not even in the playoff positions. And we went on a run. We went on some ridiculous run of results, even Mm. after we were we were made favourites to go up. And um, so hopefully that that will stay the same. And even when you look back further in the season, that Slavica obviously had this way of... um, Playing and the the players didn't even though when our form really really dipped in that October t- September October time that the, we still played the same way it started to click and then it's you know I'm not going to start talking about last season again but doesn't need me to tell you how well it went after that did it <laughs> did we have a good season sounds like I, it yeah I know certainly well not as good as the year previously that was an absolute barnstormer <laughs> well the only thing I'm wondering is did we have a good podcast as it has come to the end of this week's episode Jack Aww. Collins Secretary Jack I haven't called you Secretary Jack for a little while have I well since last Monday no oh I thought oh, well you know <laughs> have you got a title for today's podcast well I did like Farrell's Dom stat earlier and that did make me laugh but I think that <laughs> they probably have to go with Dom's favourite sticker thing and, uh, and title this one Brothers in Darms it is brilliant. Yeah, it's a shame that Darmstadt isn't a more regular away trip just for the level of well, for me. Might, might sack off like Villa away or something and go to a Darmstadt away game. I think they're playing Ingolstadt or something. Oh, I'd be up for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I'm really... not inviting myself on your yeah. holiday, but... But like, I, just don't like Villa. I just don't like Villa away in general, so I'll be, I'll be, I wouldn't be against the idea. There we go. Fulhamish away to Darmstadt. We can all be brothers in Darms. Nice Darmstadt-ish. title. Darmstadt-ish. Darmstadt-ish. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Don't forget to follow us uh, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fulhamish Pod. We want as many followers as possible. Hope to see a few of you at the Wolfsburg game on Saturday. We will be back next Monday with another podcast with a big championship preview. Very exciting How stuff. exciting. I know, it really is starting to get a little bit serious. So, Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you. Come see us at Wolfsburg. Farrell, thank you very much. Thank you. And Domstadt, thank you very much. All right.
Don't ever say that ever again. <laughs> Dodge that out. <laughs> See you next week. Toodles.